Notice with me again, if you would, verse 24. The Bible says, Be of good courage, and he that is God shall strengthen your heart, all ye that hope in the Lord. We can take courage. We can have strong hearts, that inner part of us that feels, that thinks, that rationalizes. It says, it'll strengthen your heart, all ye that hope in the Lord. So the question is, how's your hope? The Bible says that the gospel of Christ is the power of God unto salvation. Welcome to Pulpit Power, featuring Pastor Tony Skeving, Senior Pastor of Fargo Baptist Church in Fargo, North Dakota. Today's message was previously preached before a church audience. And now, here's Pastor Skeving. Let's take our Bibles, please, at this time, and turn to the Psalms, Psalm 31, if you would. Psalm 31. There are great words in the Bible and also in the vocabulary of a Christian. Words like Jesus, obviously, words like love, words like faith. But we're going to be looking at a word today that kind of is, is underrated. As we kick off a, a new beginning, it's one I want to just have us hold in our hearts and take throughout the uh, coming months here with us. In Psalm 31, uh, we're going to see this word beginning in verse number 23. It says, O love the Lord, all ye his saints, for the Lord preserveth the faithful and plentifully rewardeth the proud doer. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart, all ye that hope in the Lord. Notice again verse 24. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart, all ye that hope in the Lord. We're going to be talking today about hope and, and the fact that there's always hope as long as there's God. Let's pray before we begin. Father, we come before Thee now. We thank You for the opportunity to come into Your house. We pray that You would bless this one thought as we embark upon a a new beginning, a fresh start. Help us now to find this Word lodged in our hearts in a stronger way and to live by it, to be people of hope, hopeful Christians. We need Your grace. We ask it all now in Jesus' name. Amen. There was a young man studying to be a psychiatrist, and he actually, as part of his internship, had to go to a psychiatric ward. And there he saw something that he said he'd never forget again. There was a patient in there, a man probably in his mid-20s. They called him No Hope Carter. His last name was Carter, but they dubbed him No Hope Carter. And the story behind No Hope Carter was he had engaged in some promiscuous activity and as a result contracted a venereal disease and and back in those days it was fatal and so he got uh, to the place where he's starting to lose it he went into the psychiatric ward and they kind of kept close tabs on him and his health and and he was deteriorating and getting worse and and finally he asked the doctor he said am I ever going to get better and the doctor had to be honest he looked down he said I'm afraid there's no hope and and Carter began to mutter those words over and over again no hope no hope, no hope. He could be heard in his, his little padded room all day long saying over and over again, no hope, no hope. That man studying to be a psychiatrist never forgot that. No hope, Carter. What is hope? How do we define hope? I say uh, we could probably define it as an expectation or maybe an anticipation if you're, you're anticipating, you're, you're expecting something, you're hopeful of it to, to take place. 
It's also a trust that something's going to come to pass or a reliance that something's going to come to pass. And normally, it's connected to faith. Faith. We find over in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse number 1, the Bible says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. There is a tie. There is a connection. There is something that couples together faith and hope. And faith is the uh, stuff, if you will, the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. We find that hope is also listed among the abiding gifts, as, we, as we'd call them. In, in Bible times, before the completion of the Scriptures, they had these gifts, prophecy, tongues, things like that, that I believe ceased with the completion of the Bible. But there's something that will never cease and we read about it over in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And in verse number 13, it says, And now abideth faith, hope, charity, which is love, these three. These three. So we find abiding amongst these things are, are, are things like charity, things like faith. But sandwiched right in the middle of them, we find there's hope. Hope. Now, back in our text here in, in Psalm 31, notice with me again, if you would, verse 24. The Bible says, Be of good courage. And he that is God shall strengthen your heart, all ye that hope in the Lord. We can take courage. We can have strong hearts, that inner part of us that feels, that thinks, that rationalizes. It says, it'll strengthen your heart, all ye that hope in the Lord. So the question is, how's your hope? How's your hope? The Bible defines the last days, the end times. It describes them. And as we look at really things going on in the world today, we can see that we're about there, folks. There, there are things going on, d- difficult times. We are in, in crisis on every front. There's, there's a worldwide global crisis. We have our own crisis here in the U.S. of trillions of dollars of debt. And how in the world are we ever going to pay it off? There is uncertainty on Wall Street. There's crime abounding. In fact, the final tally for one city alone in our nation, Chicago last year, was over 750 murders, up 58% from the previous year. And, and they say they don't see it getting any better. And then, of course, we can go abroad and we can, we can find terrorism. Uh, people killed just last night in Istanbul, Turkey, were there a, a few months ago. And it's just an ongoing weekly thing. And there's paranoia back here. There's folks stashing cash. They are stashing gold. They are stashing food. They're growing their own food. There's all kinds of thoughts. And, 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 and honestly, we don't have a crystal ball. The Bible says the secret things belong unto the Lord. We don't know what it's coming to. But we know in the midst of it all as God's people. We can be pessimists or we can be optimists. We can be people of hope. And as long as there is God, there is hope. For God's people at least. But let's take a look at hope and several things about it. And the first of, of these, what I call the ambiguous doubt. The ambiguous doubt. Or, or, or maybe I should have called it the aggravated delay. When it comes to hope, we hope and we hope and we hope, but we never see it. Now presently, we are in this life. We are on, on planet Earth. But, but what does the future hold? It, it really is one of the greatest fears people have. And one of the most depressing things for people is, what does the future hold? Many of you, I think at least my age or older, would remember uh, a, an American by the name of Ernest Hemingway. How many remember Ernest Hemingway? Or at least you've heard the name. He was a Pulitzer Prize uh, novelist and, and journalist and a very strong influence in our nation many years ago. He, he not only fought in World War, he covered 
World War II, but he was at the, the Normandy landing. He was at the liberation of Paris. He was, he was at a number of these places, saw a lot of things worldwide, and, and had a lot of thoughts, and he, he took his pen and he wrote about them. And he, he talked about how depressing things are. He was, was a, a heavy drinker himself. He was married four times. And finally, in 1961, he, he committed suicide. But, but before he did, he wrote about life. And he said, life is a dirty trick. He said, it's a, a short journey from nothingness to nothingness. He said, there's no remedy for, for anything. And he said, I feel like the whole human race is, is like a, a colony of ants on a burning log quote-unquote. You know, hopelessness has got to be one of the saddest things that a person can encounter. And even in the Bible, it reads like who's who as we consider characters even in the Scriptures that really felt like what's the use? We read over in Genesis and we, in verse, uh, chapter 27, verse 46, Rebekah said to Isaac, I am weary of my life. What good shall my life do me? That sounds pretty down and out. We find other characters in the Bible like Job, and, and, and Job was really a guy who lost everything. Obviously, overnight, uh, he lost his, his uh, livelihood. He lost his children. He lost many of his employees. And, and here he is looking at his bank balance and foreclosure papers and, and maybe his wife even with divorce proceedings. And, and he's got empty fields. He's got empty barns. He's attending funerals of his employees. He's attending funerals of his children. And, and he's unable to sleep. He's mocked by his neighbors. And when a guy is in that kind of condition, you don't come along and just say, well, you know, everything's going to be all right. Imagine that. And Job had this to say in Job 7, verse 6. He said, my days are spent without hope. He said, these days are hopeless days. My days are spent without hope. And in chapter 17 of Job, he said in verse 15, and where is now my hope? As for my hope, who shall see it? He lost everything, and it looked hopeless. But you don't have to lose everything. You don't have to be a down and out to get to a place of despair. We find a man in the, the Bible by the name of Solomon. Solomon had the world by the tail as, as we would see it. And uh, really, as the unsaved would see it, he had all the, the wine, women, and song that a man could wish for. And there he is, all this money, all this power, all these accomplishments. And yet, in Ecclesiastes 2.17, he says, Therefore, I hated life. For all is vanity and vexation of spirit. Imagine that. Vanity meaning empty, vain, null, void, no fulfillment, no purpose, no nothing in it. All is vanity. And he said, it vexes my spirit. He called it vexation of spirit. And he says, therefore, I hated life. Pope Pius V was dying and he cried out, Something really sad and lamentable in his dying hours. He said, when I was in the seminary, he said, I, I thought I had some hope in salvation. He said, when I went on to become a priest, he goes, I wondered if there was any hope. He said, when I became a bishop, he said, I doubted I'd ever find salvation. He said, when I became a cardinal, I doubted even greater. He said, but as pope, he said, I sense no hope at all. No hope at all. You know, we read on in the Bible, people like Jonah and Jonah basically disobeyed God. He, he had this bad attitude, really, as a result. And in Jonah chapter 4 and in verse number 8, Jonah wished in himself to die, and he said, it is better for me to die than to live. There's a man with no hope. We find over in the New Testament the counterpart in John the Baptist, who really was the greatest prophet ever, but 
but one that really got to the place where he wondered what he believed. He wondered what was right. He wondered if Jesus was even the Messiah. And he felt so hopeless there as he languished away in a jail. We find this, first of all, ambiguous doubt. But secondly, we see this, this analytical dissection, this, this analyzing, this dissecting of hope. A number of years ago, there was a 2,000-ton vessel that, that ran aground on a sandbar just off the course of Mozambique. It was a Portuguese steamer. There were 53 crewmen on board. There were 300 troops on board. There were uh, 2,000, or no, 200, I should say, Mozambique Africans on it. And, and it was breaking up, and, and the effort to rescue the people on board uh, was underway. And while they were trying these rescue efforts, there was a fire that broke out. And that fire spread, and it, it hit the ammunition, and the, the boat exploded into flames, and, and people began to jump over into the seawater only to meet sharks waiting for them there. Those who made it to land found um, amongst the mangrove jungles lions waiting for them there, and you just go, what else, you know? Talk about a hopeless situation. Well, what is hope? Let's, let's analyze hope. Let's, let's dissect hope. Let's take a biblical look at hope as you turn to Romans chapter 8. Because hope can't be seen, obviously. You can't say, but there is hope. It, it can't be seen, and, and on top of things, it often doesn't make sense. What are you hoping in? It doesn't even make sense. In Romans chapter 8, and in verse number 24, the Bible says, For we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, why doth he yet hope for? So you can't see it must be something really that you hope for or anticipate or expect. In the Bible, we find a couple of elderly people at the birth of Christ. One's named Simeon. I was just reading about him recently. And Simeon was an old fellow, and, and he had a promise from God that he wouldn't die before he saw the Christ, before he saw the Messiah. And God told him it's time to go see him. And, and he went to the temple. He met him there. He held him in his hands. And I have a picture of this on my office wall. And what a sight that had to be as he lifted up the hope of the world in his arms and said, in so many words, now I can die. I've seen the Messiah. There was an old gal by the name of Anna, similar story. She, she found the Messiah there too and, and was waiting for the, uh, the hope of the world to come into the world. And at age 84, she finally saw him and she could go to her grave. You know, positive hope really belongs to believers, Christian people. We read in Proverbs 10.28 that the hope of the righteous should be gladness, but the expectation of the wicked shall perish. The hope of the righteous shall be gladness. God's people, the expectation of the hope of the wicked shall perish. So, where do God's people get hope? Well, we get it in the Word of God. I believe the Bible is the source, and I'd like you to turn to Romans chapter 15, just a few pages from where you're at there. In Romans chapter 15, notice verse 4. It says, For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have hope. Notice where the hope comes from, that we through patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have hope. So we see where hope comes from. We see that it belongs 
to believers. In fact, in Hebrews chapter 11, we find the hall of faith, not fame, but the hall of faith. And these are Christian people that have been faithful, and it backs way up to Abel, and it talks about Enoch, and, and then it talks about Noah and Abraham. And in and, uh, and, and, and so many words, it says these people saw something out yonder in the future that others missed. We read about them in Hebrews 11 and verse 13. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, and were persuaded of them, and embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. You see, God's people have hope, but it's hope from afar. Heaven's out yonder, it's way out there, and it's in the future for, for us. And, and we're kind of like sailors on a vessel that are a long ways off of a shoreline, and we see it's a beautiful place, and we want to land there, but but not yet, not yet. We just keep moving on and circling. <clears throat> and the Bible, speaking of those great patriarchs of old, says, These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, and were persuaded of them, and embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. We read the next verse, and it says, For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. God's people seek a country. It's a far off. We're not from around here. You ever heard that expression? You, you know, if I travel down south and start talking to people, they say, you're not from around here, are you? And, and if folks come up from the south here, and they have that uh, southern accent, that speech impediment, I call it, you know, uh, we could say, you know what, you're not from around here, are you? Well, People who watch the life of a child of God really ought to be able to tell, you know, you're not from around here. We kind of have a, a green card from heaven, don't we? And, and, and that's where we belong. That's where home is. And we're kind of strangers and pilgrims here. And we stick out. And the world doesn't really connect with us. And we don't connect with the world. You know, I, I uh, was with my uh, younger brother here recently. We, we met at the the home of another relative. He has a, a little dog named Lucy. Sorry if that's your name. But, but uh, anyway, uh, he put Lucy down and, and uh, she was on the floor and I walked in and, and all of a sudden, wah, 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 the dog started barking at me and, and, and Jeff said, Lucy, Lucy, he's okay. And I thought to myself, you know what? She doesn't bark at him, but she barks at me. Any dog barks at a stranger normally, right? And if the world is barking at you, you're a stranger in this world. You're a pilgrim in this world. You are just passing through. You're not from these parts. And there ought to be some things about us that, that give us away. I'm going to be in Africa in a few weeks. And believe me, they'll know, you're not from here, are you? Right? You're not from these parts. So believers live with a different hope. We live with a different hope. Believers die with a different hope. We, we die with a different hope. Years ago... There was an, another ocean lining vessel and, and uh, something went wrong and, and it, through a collision it, it began to go down and, and there were people on board that uh, knew they were going into the ocean. They started passing out the, the life jackets and, and there weren't enough for everybody. There was a convention of, of people on board from the Salvation Army and there was, there was somebody from the Salvation Army that took his life jacket and gave it to somebody else and said, here, you take this. They said, no, no, you keep it. They said, no, you take it. I die better than you do. I die better than you. I think it was Wesley who said, Christians die better than anybody else. Christians have a hope in their death. 
And you know, this, this thing of dying, you don't hear a whole lot about it. It's been called a lost art, and, and the average preacher avoids it. The average preacher will preach on, on self-help and uh, self-esteem and things along those lines, but, but we need to be prepared to die. For 30 years, I have preached, tried to prepare people for the inevitable, for death. We don't try and avoid it. We don't try not to think of it. It's, it's, it's something that's a fact of life. But the problem with so many people is they have, they have their tentacles down into this world. And, and they have them down deep, their roots into this world. And, and let me just say, this world is overrated, folks. This life is overrated. That might sound funny, but most people have missed the true reason for being here, which is simply to get ready for the next life. I've said it many times. This life is but a dressing room for eternity. We're here today and gone tomorrow. And you compare the 80, 85, 90 maybe years you might live here to 80, 85 billion years you're going to live in eternity. And even then, eternity will just be beginning, just be starting. So a real Christian lives different, dies different. We live and we die in hope. Charles Spurgeon said something years ago. He said, our expectations are our largest possessions. Think about that. Your largest possessions, it's not that stuff you have at home or in your garage or in your bank account. Your expectations are your largest possessions. I mean, six simple words, but it really sums it up. That which we hope for, that which we expect, it, it, it eclipses its zenith, it outdoes anything that we have on this earth here. Our expectations are our largest possessions. Folks, we're here for like a night and we tarry for a night and we're gone in the morning and and one day we're going to arrive on the shores of heaven. We're going to be with the Lord and you're going to say, this is where I belong. This is where I belong. Look, if you would, in Proverbs chapter 13. Proverbs chapter 13. We see the, the ambiguous doubt. We see the analytical dissection. And then thirdly, we see what I call this awesome durability. When it comes to hope, it, 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 it remains, it's awesome, it's durable, it goes on. In Proverbs 13 and in verse number 12, the Bible says, hope deferred maketh the heart sick. But when the desire cometh, it is a tree of life. Hope deferred maketh the heart sick. Heart sickness could be described as depression, discouragement, whatever you might want to call it. And hope delayed or hope deferred maketh the heart sick. But when the desire cometh, it is a tree of life. So I say unto you, don't stop hoping. Don't stop hoping. We read some great words over in Hosea 2 and verse number 15. God makes a promise to Israel. He says, and I will give her her vineyards from hence and the valley of Acre for a door of hope, and she shall sing there. Notice it mentions a door of hope. You ever notice that in the Bible? An actual door of hope. Now, in Proverbs thirteen twelve, it says, Hope deferred maketh the heart sick. Hope put off, hope delayed, uh, hope extended makes the heart sick. You say, Pastor, I've been hoping for something for a long time. And, and maybe you have, and you hope, and you hope, and you hope, and you hope. You say, well, pastor, what if it never works out? You know, I have hope, but what if there's never a solution for this issue? What if, what if it never happens? What if I die? 
and it, and it still doesn't come to pass. Let me just say something I want you to remember. Hope is not a means to an end, so much as it is a traveling partner through life. Hope is not a means to an end. You say, well, I, if, if, uh, if I don't get what I'm hoping for, that's failure. No, hope is not a means to an end. It's a traveling partner through life. And if you die and, and what you hoped for didn't come to pass, you've still been blessed. You've had hope along the way. George Mueller had five friends that he prayed fervently for every single day to be saved before he died. And four of the five got saved. I've told the, the illustration before. That fifth didn't. He died without that fellow getting saved. Now, the guy got saved shortly afterwards. Might have even been at the funeral. But the point is, he lived hoping, and he was a rich man because he did. You live a rich life because, because hope has been your roommate. I have a number of things that I'm praying for, things I've been hoping for, things I've been hoping for for years and years and years. And I have not seen some of them come to pass yet. And, and there are no guarantees really on anything but I still live in hope. You know, in Hebrews 6 and in verse 19, it says, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast. Do you have hope as an anchor of the soul? Are you a hopeful person? Do you live in hope? Now, quite often you don't know when it's going to happen, where it's going to happen, how it's going to happen, if it's going to happen at all. But hope is saying, I don't know how it's going to work out, but I'm going to enjoy the journey anyway. I'm, I'm going to live this life in hope. And, and the result is, hope is often better than the thing you hope for. <laughs> if you think about it, you, you hope for this, but really it was the hope that was the blessing. Will you ever have good health? You might hope you do. I don't know if you will or not. Will you ever have that child restored? I don't know. But you're hopeful. Will you ever finish your degree? Hopefully. How about overcoming depression? Well, you're hopeful that you, that you will in time. Or maybe you'll see your spouse saved and, and you're hopeful of that. Maybe you'll get your stamina back. Maybe those seizures will stop. Uh, maybe uh, your parents will get saved. Maybe uh, you'll get out of debt. Maybe you'll find a spouse. These are things you might be hoping for. Maybe those past scars will be healed. Maybe you'll overcome that cancer. Maybe that mind will be restored. Maybe you'll be able to uh, pay that hospital bill. Uh, maybe you'll be able to find a good job. Maybe you'll be restored to usefulness. I don't know what it might be in your life. You could fill in the blank. But God help us to be people of hope. In Psalm 42, and in verse 11, it says, Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted within me? Hope thou in God. Here's the psalmist talking to himself, saying, Why are you cast down, soul? Why are you disquieted within me? Hope thou in God. And then in Jeremiah 17 and verse 7, it says, Blessed is the man that trusteth in the Lord, and whose hope the Lord is. Blessed is that man that's trusting God. Help us to, God help us to trust him. And whose hope the Lord is. You see, the future is as bright as the promises of God. May I say that again? The future is as bright as the promises of God. We read in Psalm 119.49, Remember the word unto thy servant, upon which thou hast caused me to hope. Here's the psalmist saying, Lord, remember what you told me. Remember that promise. You caused me to hope. Now, a life of hope begins with a relationship with Jesus Christ. And a lot of people, you hear that expression, they go, well, yeah, I, I, 
I, I, I believe in Jesus, but there's more to it than that. I'm talking about a relationship with Jesus Christ. I believed in Jesus for over 20 years. I went to church pretty much every Sunday from the time I was a baby, and oftentimes every day of the week. And I believed that uh, Jesus was virgin-born, and that he lived a sinless life, and that he died for the sins of the world, but uh, it was kind of a, you know, osmosis thing. Because all that's true, I'm, I must be a Christian. And I never had a time where I realized I was a lost sinner, a hell-bound sinner, and that the wages of sin is hell. I didn't realize that salvation is a gift, not one you work for. Your baptism won't get you to heaven. Your church membership won't get you to heaven. Doing good works won't get you to heaven. It's not of works, the Bible says clearly. It's by grace. It's free. It's the gift of God. But like any gift, it has to be received. That's when it becomes a gift. I did not realize what a sinner I was and my need of repenting of sin, changing my mind about my sin and and putting all my faith in what Christ did on the cross to save me until I was nearly 21 years of age. Somebody took God's word and showed me from the Bible how I could know for sure I'm going to heaven, how I could call upon the Lord and be born again as Christ called it. And I was saved. And a relationship with Jesus Christ began that night. Do you know Jesus Christ? Bible says in Ephesians 2 and in verse number 12, it says that at that time ye were without Christ, having no hope and without God in the world. That's the condition an unsaved person is in. Without Christ, having no hope, and without God in this world. Have you been saved? If not, you can get it settled today. You can, you can start uh, the new year out knowing for sure you're going to heaven, knowing you've been born again, having hope, and with Christ. Well, let me just say, if you've never been saved, the fact that you're here today, the fact that you're listening, the fact that you're still alive means there's still time. There is still hope. There's still time. The only time it's finally hopeless is if someone dies without Christ. We find that described in 1 Thessalonians 4.13. Paul says, But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that is, believers who have died in Christ. He says that you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. Even as others which have no hope. The only time it's finally hopeless is if someone dies without Christ. But if you're alive, if you're here, if you're listening, there's time and God extends to you mercy. I was reading just earlier today about Alexander the Great, so-called. He died around 325 B.C., about 300 years before the time of Christ. Died at age 32. We've often talked about how he died of alcohol poison. He overdrank himself to death. There's speculation the cup may have been actually poisoned. We'll never know. But Alexander the Great, uh, who was actually um, Alexander III and a third of Macedon, was an incredible military leader. By age 32 or 3, he had conquered the then-known world. And he went back to Babylon and he, he wept because there were no more worlds to conquer. But Alexander the Great had a battle tactic, something he used in war when he would besiege a city. In other words, surround it and, uh, and, and warn it and tell it to surrender. He would hang up this great lantern. He called it the mercy light. And he would say, as long as this burns, you have time to surrender. Once it goes out, there will be no time to surrender. And boy, the people inside had to stop and think, do we surrender? Or do we kind of, you know, take our chances and try and fight this thing out? 
And finally, when that lantern went out, Alexander, Alexander the Great kept his promise, destroyed that city with great cruelty. If you're still alive, there's a mercy lantern. It's still a, it's still a flame. There's still time for you to come to Christ and to be born again. And if you're saved, I again show you our text here. Psalm 31:24. remember from a moment ago, says, Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart, all ye that hope in the Lord. Is your hope in the Lord today? My hope is not in Wall Street, by the way. My hope is not in the federal government. My hope is not in even the, the standing army. And, and, and my hope is not in the next administration. It's not in the uh, next peace treaty. It's not in uh, the oil prices and, and, and the economic upturn or any of those things. My hope is not in those things. The Bible says, uh, be of good courage and he shall strengthen your heart, all ye that hope in the Lord. Now, hope says, I don't see it. I don't see the answer, but I know there is one. Hope says, I can't see a way out, but I know there is one. Hope says, I can't see a solution, but I know there is one. Even in these frightening days in which we are living here, hope still believes. And, and, and hope changes frightening days into exciting days. It, it can turn days of uncertainty into amazing days. I think it was Paul Harvey years ago who said this. He said, at times like these, it's good to remember that there have always been times like these. <laughs> and it's true. At times like these, it's good to recall there have always been times like these. And as, as we're at the threshold of a new beginning here, and, and we wonder about the future of things, may I, may I close with this barrage of uh, promises, this, this grand finale of, of scriptures, if you will? And you're going to have to read fast and think fast. Let's do it here, all right? First of all, Exodus 15, 2. The Lord is my strength and song, and He has become my salvation. He is my God. We find in Deuteronomy 31, 6. Be strong and of a good courage. Fear not, nor be afraid of them. For the Lord thy God, He it is that doth go with thee. He will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. Rejoice in that one for a while. First Samuel 2, verse 2. Neither is there any rock like our rock. Revel in that one for a while. Second Kings 6, 16. And he answered, Fear not, for they that be with us are more than they that be with them. There is a principle found in the Word of God that I believe. We find also this promise, Psalm 23, 1. Very familiar. The psalmist said, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Psalm 46, verse 1. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in time of trouble. Does that give you hope? Romans 8, 31. What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Amen to that. We find in Hebrews 13, 5 that God has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. There's a ton of them. Over 7,500 promises in the Bible, but one more. 1 John 4 and verse 4. Year of God, little children, and I've overcome them because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Let me just say in closing, continually seek the will of God each day. Don't be a pessimist. Honestly, we're living in the most exciting days ever. And you say, well, pastor, it's really getting dark. And I've said this many times. Yeah, I know. But if you know the Bible, it's getting gloriously dark, right? We know what all of this means. We've read the last chapter. We don't have to despair. And so let me challenge you. Continue to live godly. 
Because we have this verse, 1 John 3, 3 says, And every man that hath this hope in himself, or in him, that is God, purifieth himself even as he is pure. Do you have that hope in him? The Bible says as a result we ought to purify ourselves as he is pure. Part of this hope within a Christian means we should continue to witness. 1 Peter 3.15 says, Be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason to the hope that is in you. Be ready to answer when they ask about this hope that you have. And let me just say, never quit. Never turn back. There's nothing to go back to. God help us to walk on in hope, to remember that hope is not a means to an end. It is our traveling partner as we go through life and through this coming year. Because, folks, as long as there's God, there is hope. And so let's be people of hope. Amen. You've been listening to Pastor Tony Skeving of the Fargo Baptist Church in Fargo, North Dakota. If you would like a CD of today's message, you can obtain one by sending a gift of $2 to Fargo Baptist Church, 3303 23rd Avenue South, Fargo, North Dakota, 58103. That address again, Fargo Baptist Church, 3303 23rd Avenue South, Fargo, North Dakota, 58103. We hope you'll join Pastor Skeving next time right here on Puppet Power. Pulpit Power is a production of Heaven 88.7.